0: Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
1: And so God's power says, Stan, I'm going to save you just the way you are. Now, I'm not saying we're so totally depraved that we can't get this thing. But I'm saying that we are so lost that without, watch this now, watch this, without the Holy Spirit's conviction, I will not fully understand my comprehensive need for Christ and the deplorable position I'm in by thinking my good works would get me to heaven. All that has got to be granted to me by the Spirit. But I must trust Christ as Savior. So this truth is beyond understanding, is to you and to me. Now, let's go on, because now it gets really good. We're going to crank up the volume now. It says, These are in accordance with the working of the strength of His might, which He brought about in Christ. So you got the power of God through the Holy Spirit brought about in the person and the work of Christ, specifically, stay in the passage, when He, God, raised Him, Christ, from the dead. Now let me let me think about that for a moment as we pause. Think about Jesus being dead, 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 dead. God the Father through the Spirit of God, all of them working together. They took Christ and they raised him from the dead. If it just stopped there, I would say, "Wow, what power that is!" But that's not enough. He said, "Let me show you how much power that is." Go back to the passage. He says this, you know, raised from the dead, and then he says, "And seated him Christ." at his, God's right hand, in the heavenlies, or in heavenly places. So he took dead, dead Jesus, gave him life, 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 but didn't live, let him live here on this earth only to maybe 30, 40 years later to die, die, die again. He then took Jesus and he lifted him off the earth. He then transported him way beyond the clouds, the sky, the universe, into, into heavenly places. Then he did this far above, not above, but far above And not just far above rule and authority, but far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. That means there's nothing that's equal to the power of God that is now formed in and by Christ that now he has that we have available to us. So he took a dead Christ, brought him back to life again, placed him in the heavenlies. Everything that has power is now under him, mainly authority and those who think that they have power. Everything is under him. He's the man. He is the God-man. He is god And that's not the end of it yet. Look what else it says at the end of that verse. It says this, And every need that is named, and not only in this age, but the one to come, and he put all things in subjection under his feet, and gave him Christ as head over all things to you and I, the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now that could take me a month to preach on. So let's just come up here and look up here for a second, okay? That's Pons's way to say what Peter said. Listen up. All of that's wrapped up in the person and the work of Christ for a moment, specifically as it's designed for us to know Christ as Savior. When he did all of that, he took all the sin on himself, he died and he rose again. The heartbeat of our salvation is the resurrection of Christ. That being said, but it didn't stop there for us. Not only did he do the work, for those of you that have trusted Christ as Savior, that power is to us. And when we trust Christ as Savior, His Spirit and Christ and God is in us. Doesn't mean we become Christ, God, or the Holy Spirit. It just means He is now in us. Now here's what gets so beautiful. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that's going to raise you when you die and take you to heaven and you'll be seated in Christ at God's right hand, and every knee will be under you, you'll have that kind of dominion over that. I'm telling you, that's power. That's resurrection power. That was in the plan and the purpose of God for you and me. Now, do I hear witness on that? Now, let me come in for the quote kill for a moment. When we say, I have this habit as a Christian, I can't get over this habit. I have this hang-up because I was abused or whatever, as a young person, whatever, I have this hurt. I've been broken. I've been rejected. I've been mocked. People talk about me. They've hurt my reputation. I've been rejected. I've been neglected. So you have hurts, hang-ups, and habits that are all part of your life, and you're saying, I just can't get past this. I am not minimizing or mocking your pain and all of that. Truth be told, we all have it to some degree, some more than less in this room. That's part of life. That's part of sin. That's part of living in a sinful world. I hate that that that's happened to you and anyone else has gone through a tragedy. I, I hate all of that. But you don't have to be a victim. You can become a victor because that power that's in Christ that now is available in you when you trust Christ as Savior, you have the power to overcome all your hurts, habits, and hangups so you can live a life in the fullness of Christ. Why? Why? The resurrection. The third jewel in our leather bag. Let's go to our second one. Let's go to our third jewel. Our third jewel. That jewel declared his divine promise. It's neat to know that there was a plan. It was neat to know that uh, there's power in that plan, but it's also neat to know that there's a promise. Now, dear ones, I know you have it printed in front of you. Some of you would like to follow along. This is sometimes a difficult. section of scripture to understand because you don't know who's he talking about, who's speaking here, how is Christ fitting in here, and it gets really confusing. So if you'll allow me for a moment, I'm going to ask you to look at that verse as I speak it to you and try to help make some quick sense for you. So I'm going to give you the cliff notes of this. It's not taking away from the meaning of it. I encourage you to go into some good commentaries, get some good study in this, but generally this is what it's saying, and it's saying and it still has all the power. So let's go back to it. All right, remember Peter's in front of a crowd. Most of them are going to be Jewish people, so he's reminding the Jewish people of some of their history, some of the things that have happened in their past, some of their heroes. One would be David. You've all heard of David, Israel's greatest king, man after God's own heart, the little boy who had the stones, the one who chopped off the head of Goliath, and that's enough for you to know. You know David now. So now Peter is going to talk about David. David is now going to say something. And as he says this, he's going back to Psalm um, 16. And when he do when he does this, it's, it's David speaking about what the Lord is saying. So now you have Peter talking about David. David is saying, of him, of Christ. This is about Christ. So it's as if Christ is speaking. So let's go at it now. So David says, of him, Christ. I saw, the, and this is Christ himself saying, of Christ means Christ saying, I saw the Lord always in my presence, like God the Son looking at God the Father, altogether one. For he is at my right hand so that I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue exalted. Moreover, my flesh also will live in hope because you will not abandon my soul to Hades. In a sense, he will not be abandoned to an existence of death forever. Nor allow your Holy One, which should be Christ, to undergo decay. Remember, David is speaking about Lord Jehovah. It's coming for Peter now, reminding the Jews present about that saying, and that the Holy One, the Messiah, would not undergo decay. And then it says, you made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. I can only imagine the joy that's together in the Godhead, and especially when Jesus was resurrected and went to heaven. Now he shifts, and Peter now begins to talk. He's referring back to David, and David and the Lord now saying this. Now he's going to talk. Peter's going to talk. And he says, Brethren, I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David. I just told you what David said. I am now confident when I'm telling you about David that he both died and was buried. This David. So this guy that I'm quoting here is not talking about himself, he's talking about the Lord. David did die and he was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Now look up here if you will. I could only imagine Peter with the crowds. Some Some of his buds are right there. Women and children, the whole group is around there and he faces that crowd and he says, this is what David said. And he's quoting what David said as he's talking about the Lord and what the Lord was saying. And he says, now you guys, you know this. David is dead. David is decayed. And by the way, and here's what I think he did. It's not in scripture, so maybe not. I think he said, and we have David's tomb here today and he points to it. He could point to the tomb of Jesus too, couldn't he? But he's not dead. He's not decayed. He's not still here. He's talking about David. Now let's go a little bit further. He says this, And so, because he was a prophet and knew that, now it goes back to the Lord, God has sworn to him with an oath to seat one of his descendants on his throne, he looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of Christ. Would you underline that? He looked ahead. David is looking ahead. A prophecy of the resurrection of Christ. That he was neither abandoned to Hades, that would be Christ, nor did his flesh suffer decay as David did. Now, he pauses there. And I think, and again, I'm reading this in, and I don't want to be dramatic with all of this. Let's let the Spirit take the word and You just read it in your own little style. But basically this. I think there could have been a pause right there. To let those truths sink in. That Jesus did die, but he didn't suffer eternity in Hades. He he did die, but there's no decay with him. He's alive forevermore. David, he's dead. We have his tomb. That's real. That's what's happened. And then he comes in for the kill and he says this. This Jesus, this Jesus, he's saying to those folks, God raised up again to which we are all witnesses Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he was poured forth this which you both see and hear. Why am I telling you all of this? Okay, listen very carefully. Some people listening to this message today could come up to this conclusion. Okay, you're talking about the resurrection. You're talking about something that happened, you know, just a, a few months before, and, and it's kind of historic. A lot of, a lot of anybody could have written that story down, couldn't they? Well, I guess they could, but the problem is this third jewel. This third jewel is a prophetic jewel, a promise, and two promises are kind of wrapped up in one. One is is that this future Messiah. It will not go to hell. It will not suffer decay. Therefore, it rose again alive. But here's the other one. There was also the promise of the coming of the Spirit. And so that was how long before that? Not a few weeks, not a month, not 40 years, not a decade, not a 100 years. Hundreds of years. Stay with me. So now he's saying, how could we make this up? The very guy that you guys respect so much, David, the great patriarch, he said all of this through Christ And he's saying this for us today. This is a promise. So you skeptics that are listening right now, this wasn't put together so that Christians could have their own little religion. This was said years ago, ahead of time, so that when it came to pass, we would know God said it. And it was recorded. And people believed it. And then they believed it right then. And people have believed it for the last 2,000 years. And they will continue believing it until there are no more unbelievers left alive. That's the promise of his coming. Let me say this to you and we'll move on. God makes promises so emphatically because he's the only one who has the power to keep that promise. And I look at you and I say this. God promises on the authority of his word that was fulfilled in scripture that he loves you and that your good works won't get you to heaven and that if you would place your faith alone in Christ, You will have eternal life. You too will also have the Spirit inside of you. And you'll be in a forever family with Him. That's a promise that He can make because He's the only one that could keep it. Let's take the last jewel out of our leather bag. He demonstrated His divine purpose. A simple little verse here, but it's just so packed. What's His purpose? What's the divine purpose of all this? There's a lot in it. But right now, let's just look at it from this verse alone. It says, therefore, so what's the therefore, therefore, everything we've been reading about? Therefore, now that you've got all this stuff, all this truth, he says, let all the house of Israel know. Take your pen and circle the word all. Let all the house of Israel know. So that means this message, this truth should be broadcast to everyone. Now, in context, it's to the Jewish people. Now, if I then wed this verse to other passages so we have a more systematic approach to Scripture, you'll see that it's not just spoken just to the Jews, but later on through progressive revelation is to go to the Gentiles. So the bottom line is this whole truth about who Christ is and what He has done as we've just been studying it, that should be known to everybody. So what's this purpose is to make Him known? It says here, Let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made Him, Christ, both Lord and Christ. Who? This Jesus whom you crucified. So what's the purpose? To prove that Jesus was the Lord? That He is God? To also prove that because of Christ, we can have everlasting life. He's presented that to us. That I now, because Christ lives, I live because I'm now in Him by faith alone. And I like to always remember this, dear ones. I don't want us to see Easter as nothing more than glorious fire insurance. I want us to see that Easter, the resurrection, not only saved me in the past, He saved me for today with power to live in a way that would bring glory and honor unto Him. Watch this now. And also to proclaim Him to all the world who needs to know that Jesus is the Lord who died and rose again. And by faith alone in Him that can have eternal life. And this resurrection gives me the hope as I face the future as an older man knowing that my days are numbered. Just naturally they're numbered. You throw me into a car, they're really numbered. You know what I'm saying. But however the Lord takes me out, I have the hope, the pleasure to know He takes me up when we trust Christ as Savior. So what are we going to do with this truth? I I know we have some teachers in here. you like the ABCs. I'm going to give you the ABCDs, all right? First of all, you need to admit that you're a sinner. You'll never lean on a lifeguard to save you from drowning unless you know you are drowning. You will never listen to the voice in a smoky room unless you believe then that you need to be rescued from that burning building. You've got to realize that no matter how good life is to you, no matter what's going on here, no matter how many other religions, isms, and spasms that are out there, there is only one way. Jesus is the way. And you've got to admit that you can't do it yourself. Christ has to do it all. B, you need to believe that it's true. You need to believe that Jesus is who he claimed to be, the living son of God. And I mean, nothing beats it than his death, burial, and resurrection and being seen all prophesied and then doing it, all right? I believe that. Now watch this, watch this. Again, that, I, I have that as a fact. Some will believe that that occurred. Now it may be a very short little tiny baby step to the next one. Sometimes it's all wrapped up. I believe that's true. Therefore, I'm trusting it all once. Some of you, I believe it's true, but I'm, I'm not ready yet to trust him. So here, here, here's my long question. Why? Why? Why put it off? Do you know when your heart's going to stop beating? You don't. So now you may believe he did all of that for you, but do not take one more second to then, what we might say, call on him. Now let me make this clear. Calling on him doesn't mean, hey, whoa, I need you. It's not like waking up a sleeping God. It's not trying to yell and weep and wail and all that stuff to maybe soften his heart of stone towards you because he's a big judge. What it is doing, though, is it's moving you from just knowing something to now there is an engagement. So maybe the word call isn't the best word. Maybe the word is now you need to connect with Him. Use whatever word you do just so you move from the thinking that you know the truth to now you're relying on Him by faith alone. Now once you do that, we get to D. A, admit. B, believe. C, connect or call. D is, after you do all of that, then I really pray that you will depend upon the power that God has given you to live a life for Him and glorious power to share the gospel with so many, determine in your life that you're going to give him everything you have, not to stay saved, not to get to heaven any longer. It's a way to say, Lord, I'm doing this for you because I love you. I don't just have a head full of sound theology. I don't just have a heart full of of doctrinal truth. By the way, you have to have that though, so your faith now is on solid ground. But now I return to you and I say, "Lord, you love me, and I love you." What if we get in Ephesians? When we talk about, He blesses us. How do we bless him? It all comes together. So for those of you that are on the outside looking in, Jesus loves you, He died and he rose again. His plan was to do this for you. His plan for you now is that you'd place your faith in him. The power is all there. You have the ability to make a choice to sit in that seat or not, so you can choose that. You believed it would hold you up, so you sat in it. You have the ability now to trust in Christ as your Savior. God's given you that. And now you have to believe He'll hold you up and take you up when you believe that Jesus died and He rose again. Now, will you do that? Will you place yourself in Him? Will you rely on Him? Will you trust in Him? And for those of us who have, let's use Resurrection Sunday as a time to celebrate the past but pump us toward the future of making known that truth to all around. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed. Those are the four jewels that I selected for today. Please understand that I don't want to limit the great teachings of God's Word to only four jewels. But sometimes you could have so many jewels you don't see the value of any of it then. And so today was the jewel of his plan, the jewel of his power, the jewel of his promise. All those are very, very important for us. And I pray now that we'll end with the jewel of his purpose. Would you just take a moment in silence, wherever you might be, and look past the leather bag, go deep into the darkness of that bag, and see the brilliance of the shining jewels of his resurrection. Would you do that right now? Open the Bible when you can. Look through the lens of Scripture at those jewels. The longer you do, the deeper you do, the less distracted you are, the more valuable those jewels will become to you in awareness. And let those jewels now propel you into a faith in Christ and a life of faith for Christ because who He is. So I'm going to give an invitation today. My invitation won't be for you to stand up or walk down an aisle or meet me up here at the front. Some churches do that, and that's nice. But I want this to be an invitation as you're sensing from the Lord. I'm just trying to vocalize something here, but listen to the voice of the Lord in your heart, so to speak. It's not an audible voice. But right now, He he led this message to be given to you. Why? You may very well need this message right now. So would you accept the payment Christ made for you on the cross by placing your faith in Christ? Receive Him, the one who died and rose again. It was part of His plan to do that. He has a big plan, central part, but you are part of that plan too. Would you trust Him as your Savior? Simply say, Lord, I know I've done things wrong, but the best in how I'm going to trust Christ as my forever Savior now, if you're doing that, I'm going I'm to pray for you. Now, when I do, I'm not going to mention your name in my prayer. I'm not going to pray something for you to do. I'm just going to pray for you. I'm not going to describe you in my prayer, but I'm going to pray for you. But I want to know, is there anyone here today that would like for me to do that? Because today is the day you're trusting in Christ alone for your salvation. Today's the day you're grabbing that jewel out of the bag and saying, It's mine. Jesus is mine. I've trusted him. So with heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around, if you trusted Christ in here today, never done it before, today is the day, and you'd like for me to pray for you. you slip up your hand right now? Is there anyone at all that's trusting Christ today as your Savior? Okay. My second and final invitation is, did the Spirit of God take the Word of God that you heard today and minister to you, the child of God, especially as it relates to the fact that He has a plan, and you're part of it. The fact that there's power, it's found in Christ now in you to live a victorious life. The fact that He makes and keeps promises. We always think of the promise of His blessing, but there's also the promise of His discipline if we don't live our life for Him. And then the very fact of that jewel of a purpose that now our purpose ought to be to tell others. When the gals arrived at the tomb, and they began to say, He's not here. He's risen. He's alive. Did they just say it under their breath? Or do they say it to everybody who is around? Well, we believe in the resurrection. It's in our doctrinal statement, and we know it's Easter because it's on a banner somewhere. But it will be on our hearts and our lips and we now tell the world that Jesus died and he rose again so they could have eternal life and the power to live a life of victory. How many of you would like to have prayer that you'd like to go into this next year toward next Resurrection Sunday, living out that power for His glory? Would you raise your hand? My hand's up. Pray for me. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I thank You for today. I thank You for the Word that touched all of us in some measure. I pray that if anything, it stimulated those that have heard this to go deeper into this passage and study it more with the idea of understanding it as truth, but also application for life. I pray for those that have made a decision to take another step forward this year to live in that resurrection power that we have in Christ. Now, Father, I pray that you'll bless these dear people in a great and mighty way because you've already blessed us. In Jesus' name, amen.